Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal lands. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories and song, and we are privileged to be a part of that storytelling here today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders, past and present. We're broadcasting from Redfern right now, the birthplace of black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. Welcome to Race Matters. This is a show hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Sada Khan. I'm Darren Lasagas, and we are back in the studio we're together for the first time in a long time. Oh, we're back. We're black. I'm ready. How do you feel? I feel good, especially <laughs> for this type of conversation that oh, we're about yeah. to tear up. I think this is the best... The best kind of um, comeback. The comeback, the reintroduction. (laughs) We're ready, we're in the flesh. But yeah, what happens when problematic white women are called out for microaggressions against people of colour? What is a Karen? There's no doubt you've uh, heard the term thrown around over the past year a bunch, but uh, never more than now that so many instances of white women have been weaponizing race against people of colour have they been shown in the spotlight. Uh, we've seen uh, women calling the cops on black men with false accusations. We've seen people questioning and threatening people of colour. Uh, I saw the video the other day for uh, chalking Black Lives Matter signs on their own property. Uh, we've seen an actual Karen try and tear down an Aboriginal flag from an Aboriginal person's car. Why do they do it? And uh, why is it so dangerous to claim victimhood over being called a Karen? You're listening to Race Matters, and today we're talking about all things Karen, a term used to refer to white women flexing their whiteness against people of colour. The use of the term kind of grew massively, more so here in Australia, after a white couple attacked the Aboriginal man living next door to them for hanging the Aboriginal flag on his car. So this happened down in Mildura in Victoria, and when the white woman, whose name just actually in a really happy coincidence, happens to be Karen. (laughs) That's probably the happiest part of the situation, (laughs) that her name was actually Karen. Well, she attempted to pull the flag down when um, Wobby Ruamanda yelled out to her, it's too strong for you, Karen. (laughs) And this, I believe, was just the best karma to have a white woman literally yanking the flag down and getting tangled up in it at the same time. I mean, if she had tried to call the cops on the flag itself, it would have been a Karen trifecta. But um, (laughs) another instance of Karenism is calling the cops on black people and then crying after the fact when they're filmed and reprimanded for their toxic behaviour. And weaponising tears is a really common Karen trait. I've been on the receiving end of Karen tears and it's very effective in manipulating the situation and gaslighting your whole demeanour. And when we speak on gaslighting the valid concerns of BIPOC peoples, that's exactly 
kind of what began when the term was being applied to problematic white women. Um, so, like, examples of these would be recently a white couple in San Francisco um, called the cops on a man of colour for painting Black Lives Matter up on the side of his building. That was crazy. Like, they even lied and said, oh, we know the person who lives here. Like, we're just letting you know it's private property. Mm. And he was like, oh, you know who lives here? Who lives here? And they just couldn't answer. Yeah. He, he lived there. He was like, I live... Yeah, and that was another thing as well. When you see these videos of white people trying to enact some type of, like, civil service in the streets and kind of put themselves in that role of policing, they, like, are, like weirdly, like being like you need to tell us everything and yeah. people color like black people are like what no i don't have to t- i don't know you i don't have to tell you anything and then that's when like well if you're not going to tell me i'm going to have to call the cops on you and they do it with this really creepy smile on their face yeah all the time and that's what this fella that um was attacked by this white couple in san francisco about the black lives matter on the side of his pe- building which by the way he wrote in chalk as well yeah it was like even whatever it was his building but um that's what he said was this was polite racism and there's so many forms and that's what we mean when we talk about Karens is they it's a it's a really hard type of racism to kind of relay back to people Mm. and to get people to believe like that kind of attack that just happened to you and it happened again to another black woman um in New York City a white woman in the Upper West Side um started attacking or abuse harassing this black woman that was just sitting on a park bench in her neighborhood like she lived in the area but she, this white woman didn't believe that this black woman lived there and so she started like harassing her telling her to move off the bench and um that's when obviously when the black woman was like get away from me she then called the cops on her and on the phone to the cops she was going like because the um woman was saying you know like you're literally just telling me to move because I'm a black woman. And then this woman, Svitlana Flom, her name is, started like on the phone to the cops saying, she's trying to use the black card against me. And like she, and then started going even more extra saying that um, she was attacking her and her children. So Svitlana Flom was saying like this woman was attacking her and her children, completely flipping the story. It's the same thing that happened with Amy Cooper. And when she was on the phone in um, Central Park. Yeah. In New York York City. And, what happened was like she was literally on the phone like being quite like matter of fact and direct to him very calmly being like no you're being unreasonable you're being this you're being that i'm calling the cops literally split second later zero to a hundred i'm being attacked by a black man i'm being attacked like it's so dangerous and we don't ever really get to see that how that zero to a hundred unfolds with karenism um yeah it's just uh it's something that's kind of being offered up for critique now and accountability because we can film it and see it for what it is. Isn't it scary because when someone does that to you in a public space and you're not ready for it or you're not expecting it and you know that you're in the right, you're the one who's forced to de-escalate the situation and how can you de-escalate a situation when you're literally being targeted Mm. and being made to be out of criminal? Because that's going to make you angry. That's going to make you frustrated. And you can hear it in the voice of the man who is being called out by Lisa and Robert who were calling him out for um, chalking Black Lives Matter um, on his own property. His voice was shaking. Like, he was obviously, like, feeling unsafe and, like, frustrated and scared. Yeah. While these two white people were very calm and like, oh, no, like, we, you don't have to worry. We're just asking, like, who are you? And, like, this is private property. Like, we're just asking the question why you would do this while the other man is filming. Yeah. So it's like you have this another layer 
of like self-censorship and you need to be like, I need to behave, you know, or mm. I need to be palatable for these white people while also harnessing my anger because the result is they call the police and I'm the one that needs to be restrained. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we don't really get to see that escalation prior to it. And then there's always that thing that comes after the fact when trying to explain it to someone, that experience, and they're like, well, what did you do to instigate it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's also been a talks of equivocating Karen to the N word, which... <laughs> there is so much I to bet Karen unpack. came up with that. <laughs> Karen probably came up with that. And look, it's not indicative of, you know, the majority of non-black or indigenous people. There are some vocal... I mean, <laughs> the hard thing is it just takes one person to say it and then people are like, yep, reshare, retweet, this is exactly what it is. Mm. But look, we're going to try and unpack it because <laughs> why? that's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, straight up, it's not a slur. It is not a slur, and it never will be, because for it to be de- derogatory would mean that they were being made powerless by it, that the person being called Karen was being made powerless by being called Karen. They're named Karen because the name gives them power. They're mm. named Karen because they have, they do, and they will get away with being believed more over a person of colour. They have the power of a white patriarchy behind them, which places white women at a higher privilege than black men and black women. And they call the police at the slightest hint of a threat because they know they will be protected and believed by them. And they know to call the manager because a white woman's rage stands to be heard, while a black woman's rage or a black man's rage is seen to be violent or unsafe. And the term Karen... It exists now because for many people, they now have a way to identify people who make racist microaggressions against them and their community. It's um, it's identification. You know, it's language. You know, this is a term like this is this is language that we're learning. It's identification and it's protection because we need to be protected from these people. And it wouldn't exist if there wasn't a system that would let them get away with falsely accusing, uh, belittling, publicly shaming people of color, um, all at their benefit. Mm. And um, they're called Karen at a minor inconvenience, while their actions cost lives and communities. That's right. Like every time that happened, like um, Amy Cooper, like that that situation was on the cusp of this innocent black man being arrested by police and potentially killed. Yeah, and um, and they know their actions when they do that, and that's another infuriating thing like I've been on the receiving end of a white woman's tears and immediately I was put in the aggressive role even though not once did I raise my voice I was having this girl coming at me saying that I was attacking her and like there was other people in the room that could account for it and all I all I had was a minor disagreement with her it was so simple it was so minor I literally just said, oh, I don't really like agree with that point of view, but that's all right. Got up out of the room, walked out of the room, came in the room. She was crying. I was not really understanding what was going on. And then in that moment, our manager walked in and immediately as the manager walked in, she started screaming at the top of her lungs saying that I was attacking her. And I was sitting there so confused. And immediately the manager turned to me and said, well, what did you do to set her off, Sarah? And it didn't matter how much I tried to explain it, that this is what had happened. It still didn't matter because like people like this whole society is conditioned into protecting Becky, into protecting Karen. So regardless of the fact that I had done nothing, still it was like, but for her to go to that level, there must have been something there. So maybe you can just change your actions for the future. No accountability on her and how she probably was being a bitch (laughs) and a racist. Like, I'm sorry, I'm getting around. I'm getting like the image in my mind again. And I just wanted to like 
drag this girl in that moment. But at the same time, it was that thing of like, I had to completely just minimize myself. And it's quite traumatizing being in a space like that. You don't even recognize how much trauma you hold when you're at the helm of a white woman's tears. Yeah, because you imagine it, you know, it doesn't, it's not validated by anyone around you, but you feel these things so acutely and you're forcibly that you're in the wrong. And, and it isn't until later that you realize that you were led to believe that you were wrong when you weren't. Yeah, and you go stew in your head about it, you internalize it, yeah. and then it just gets brushed under the rug. So you are listening to Race Matters with Daniel Sargas and Sada Khan. And we're talking all all things Karen and toxic white women. And when white women are now being filmed for this kind of cop-calling behaviour, we now have an opportunity to see the gaslighting in action and how it unfolds. And what's coming after the fact is Karen losing her job, which I'm here for. <laughs> this type of accountability is very necessary, I think. Um, microaggressions from white people, particularly white women, is dangerous. It inflicts a different form of trauma on people of colour as we then have to question validity in our own voice because Karen has tone policed me and my passionate nature and she's conflated my passion with anger. Karen feels unsafe as a result and therefore Karen needs to be protected at all costs. It's really exhausting having to explain an encounter with this kind of toxic behaviour as well because it's, a, it's micro and it's manipulative. So when we watch it on film with like Barbecue Becky, Amy Cooper, Perm Patty, Lisa Alexander and Karen Ridge, it shows the aggressive nature of Karening and what ensues now is accountability. And I have no problems with people being fired for these racist tirades. I mean, if you are so confident in harassing and attacking black people on the streets, how do we know that doesn't feed into your interactions with black people within the workplace? This behaviour is so often protected and excused. And again, black lives and lived experiences are ignored and negated. And white women claiming victimhood can also sometimes lead to the fatality of a black person. That's what I mean. Fragility is actually dangerous. This fragility is not safe for BIPOC peoples. And when it's not dissected, it manifests itself. And the people who pay the price are black, indigenous and people of colour. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And look, this is only just, you know, the beginning of a conversation that you may not be already aware of. And there are so many things to unpack with this idea of Karen because um, obviously we've got to consider intersectional feminism. Like, what does it mean? For, you know, how do, how do black men and white women stack up in a white patriarchy? You know, um, you know what, what does it mean when a white woman weaponizes her race before she does her gender? Mm. And, you know, we're not discounting the fact that there are iterations of the idea of Karen that come from very sexist and harmful uh, ideas that uh, put women in danger. But the way that we've been seeing it popularized recently is a way to identify a behavior that like singles out and targets black and first nations people so yeah i mean if you're seeing these behaviors and people around you if you if you think that you maybe have done one of these things in the past just take a look at yourself yeah. like you know think about how you're privileging from these interactions if you witness this happening in public like what can we do to de-escalate these situations you know yeah. and like conflating 
Karen as being like an attack, or like being a sexist term, is also just like such a Karen thing to do <laughs> because you're again could just detracting away from the conversation of race. You're you're weaponizing sexism, this argument of sexism, to detract away from people talking about race and lived experiences of race and racism. So when you mix it up and say that it's a you know. Oh, but Karen's quite sexist because we're only using it to, you know, a specific type of women, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's not. It's not sexist at all. That's a cop out. Take responsibility and accountability for your problematic, toxic shit. Yeah. You know, change, be better, look in the mirror. Like, we're done with it now. We've all got phones. And I think, like, people need to be taking a deeper look into this type of fragility and the dangers of it as well. Absolutely. And why we're so conditioned to also protect Becky, why we're so conditioned to protect Karen. Because that's what it's such a powerful tool when a white woman cries, that's it. It's all shut down after that and nothing else prior or after matters. So why is that? These are questions we should be asking ourselves every day. You are listening to Race Matters on FBI 94.5 with Darren Lasaga, Sada Khan and Tanya Ali. Hello. Our executive producer joins us on the microphone. Hey, Tanya. Hey. Uh, I'm so excited to be... I don't... Like, it's We've nice to be in this. the room with you both. This I is know. wild. Yeah. We've never been all three of us on the mics together. No. This is groundbreaking. Truly. <laughs> it feels good. It does feel good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we brought you on the mic today because you, I mean, we have some news to share. We do have some news. It's pretty exciting. This is actually the last time that Race Matters is going to be on a Monday afternoon from this time. We've been doing this slot for like over a year, mm. I want to say. Um, it's been a long time, but we are moving onwards and upwards, uh, going to Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m., a whole damn hour. Mm. Oh, They're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> They're um, not ready. We, well, we could do with an hour. Like, we squeeze a lot to this half hour. You have true. no idea. It's true. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to play a lot of music by BIPOC artists. We're going to be doing what we do here, but more of it. Mm. And uh, we can't wait for you to join us on a Saturday. Yeah, it's pretty... It's going to be fun. Uh, if you do listen to us as a podcast primarily, I know you might do that. Um, nothing much is going to change. You're still going to get the podcast every week. It'll just be a bit longer, which is exciting. A bit more time to chat this stuff. What a deadly way, though, to start off your Saturday night <laughs> with Race Matters. Yeah. Uh, like, you would fire yourself up proper for the night ahead of you if you listen to Race Matters live 5 to 6 <laughs> Truly, on Saturdays now. have some sick conversation topics for oh, the pub. Yeah. We got you sorted. Yeah. All them dinner, dinner party combos. Your yeah, Uber we, driver. Have mm, that conversation with him, you know, or her, you know, just have a chat. Get you geared up to fight the system and fight any racist in the room over in Newtown at the pubs over there. Yeah. Down there. They all go. <laughs> they all think they're all proper progressive. We're just gearing you up so you've got the tools to know how to call that out. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, thank you, Tanya, for sharing the news. That is it for Race Matters this afternoon and for a Monday. We will see you on July 4. And don't forget, you can get us whatever you get your podcast as well. Race Matters. 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 Race matters.